Hi, everyone. It's time for another two adventures from the Tales of the Texas Rangers here at 1001 Stories of the Old West. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. States and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Every day, Monday through Friday, there's top entertainment all day long when you set your radio dial to NBC. Listen for Double or Nothing. You'll hear one of radio's funniest quiz shows. Yes, Walter O'Keefe consistently comes up with great comedy entertainment Monday through Friday on Double or Nothing. Listen, and you'll agree. Then there's the program with a heart, Strike It Rich. The grand entertainment that Warren Hull brings you every day on Strike It Rich is just what the doctor ordered if you suffer from the housework blues. From Chicago, Tommy Bartlett brings you welcome travelers and interviews with many interesting guests who each day pass through the Windy City. And for more fun, listen for Bob and Ray, those two zany comics. Then there's music and charm with Dave Garraway. So remember, every day, Monday through Friday, chase your blues away with the wonderful daytime programs on this station of the NBC Radio Network. And now, Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Travesty. It is 10.30 a.m., February 12, 1951, at Texas Rangers headquarters, as the commander of that company, Captain Stinson, is disturbed from his desk duties by an unexpected caller. Morning. Are you Captain Stinson? I sure am. What can I do for you? My name's Phil Clampett. Come a long way to talk to you, Captain. Sit down, Mr. Clampett. Thank you. Now, what's your problem? Well, this is bigger than just any little problem of mine, Captain. It's a matter of catching some crooked cops. That's a mighty serious charge, Mr. Clampett. Sure it is. I don't mind telling you I'm plenty burned up about this. I'll try to keep my dander down until I give you the facts. That'll be just fine. A couple of weeks ago, my company moved me down from St. Joe, Missouri to our Texas office at Harper's Ferry. Yeah? Brought my wife and kids, of course, and I was driving them down to New Sedan I bought for the trip. Stopped by a little drive-in on Highway 92 near a town called Corona. About 150 miles northeast of here. Yeah. And while we was inside eating, somebody opened the back of my car and stole a brand new spare. Sent for a deputy sheriff right away and reported it. That's the best thing you could have done, Mr. Clampett. Well, that's what I thought at the time. Deputy took down a full complaint and said he'd look into it. I gave this information to the insurance company, of course. When you filed a claim for the tire? Sure. Well, the insurance company made a routine check, and the sheriff of Corona County wrote him back saying he had no information on file about a tire theft report. I see. I was good and riled up about it, because it sure makes me look like a sap. So I wrote to Sheriff of Corona County myself and asked him what in blaze was going on. Well, have you got his answer yet? Right here in my pocket. Here. Here it is. Mm. No like his attitude at all. Look, says here, have interviewed all my deputies, and we have no information at all about any report having been made of an alleged tire theft. Yeah, I see. Well, how you like that? Alleged. Why, he's called me a blasted liar, Captain. 
Is it possible, Mr. Clampett, that you could have the wrong county? No, it ain't, Ranger. I don't have a tire stolen every day in a week, and I'm not likely to forget where it happened. You're sure it was on Highway 92, near Corona? Yeah. Place had a filling station right next to it. How could you be positive the tire was stolen there, Mr. Clampett? Because I stopped on the highway about a mile before we got there to get a blanket out of the back. And the tire was there then. And when did you first notice it was gone? Just as soon as we'd finished eating. It was getting colder and my wife wanted another quilt for the kids, you see? Uh-huh. We went to get it before we started and found the back of the car had been jimmied open and the tire was gone. Look, here's a receipt for repairs on the trunk, Captain. Tell me... Do you remember the name of the deputy you talked to, Mr. Clampett? No, no, I don't. He was a young fellow, though, and I gave him a detailed report of the whole thing. Now the sheriff says he don't have any such report on file. Now, look, Mr. Clampett. I've known Sheriff Halstead of Corona County for a long time. He's considered a mighty fine officer. Well, something's fishy somewhere, because I sure talked to a deputy. And if you can't trust even the law nowadays, who can you trust, Captain? Now, just hold on. We'll try to find out for you what went wrong over there. Johnson, get me KTXA. As soon as I get the radio station, Mr. Clampett, I'll have a ranger assigned to investigate this right away. Within minutes, Ranger Jace Pearson had called in, was briefed on the case, and assigned to take over the investigation. He proceeded at once to the county courthouse in Corona and was told he could locate Sheriff Halstead at the cattle pens of a local stockyard. Pearson contacted him there about noon. Sheriff Halstead? Yo! Oh, hello there, Jay. Can I speak to you for a minute? Sure thing. Well, what you doing over this way? Well, come on over here where we can hear ourselves think, huh? <laughs> you bet. Oh, bud, I'll talk to you later. I got kind of a ticklish job in my hands, Jim, and I'd like to ask you a few questions. I hope you'll bear with me while I clean up a little misunderstanding here. Sure thing. Far away, Jay. Okay, you got a letter on February 7th from Harper's Ferry, didn't you, from a party named Phil Clampett? Yeah, I did. Some fellow claims he made a report of a tire theft to one of my deputies. And I understand you wrote him that you'd interviewed all your deputies and none of them had taken any such report. That's right. Boys didn't know anything about it. Fellow must be some kind of a crank, I think. Well, I don't think so, Sheriff. He had a receipt for repairs on the trunk of his car and Cap Stinson seemed to think he was telling the truth. Oh, so now he's pestering the rangers about it, is he? Let me ask you something, Sheriff. Yeah? Have you ever had any complaints on any of your deputies before? Nothing to speak of. Oh, about three months ago, a fellow was picked up for vagrancy and claimed Jerry Matthews emptied his wallet before he brought him in. Did you check on it? Sure, nothing to it. Fellow was plastered. Is Jerry Matthews a young fella? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Nice, clean-cut kid. How long has he been working for you, Sheriff? Oh, six, seven months, I reckon. A good officer? Kind of hard-headed. Gives me a little static sometimes, but he's got plenty of nerve. Matter of fact, I'd say he's my best man, James. Well, Clampett's dead sure it was one of your deputies he talked with. How could he be sure? When he wrote me, he didn't even remember the name of the diner. There are dozens of chicken and burger joints on Highway 92. He's pretty definite about its being near Corona, Cap said. You know of any place on the highway with a filling station next to it? Well, sure, that's the roundup, but... Well, Clampett didn't tell me that. Who covers that area, Sheriff? Jerry Matthews and myself. The same fellow you had the complaint on before? Yeah. But look here, Jace, might as well accuse me. I'd bet my bottom dollar he's a straight shooter, that kid. Clampett said it was a young fella. I think I'd better talk to Matthews, Sheriff. Okay, Jace. I sent him up in the hills this morning. He's checking on a moonshiner. You want to ride up there? Yeah. I'd like to clean this up right away, Jim. The 
sheriff picked up his horse in Corona and loaded him into my trailer with charcoal. We drove about 30 miles out of Corona and took off on horses into the hills. The sheriff knew where the still was supposed to be located, so we didn't have any trouble finding his deputy. Oh, there's Jerry's horse. Oh, there he is now, over there. Coming up from behind that rock. Hey, Jerry. Hi, Sheriff. Oh, oh, oh You find anything? No. Just another rumor, I guess. Looked all over. There's nothing here. Just come out on a wild goose chase. Jerry, yeah, there's Ranger Pearson. Jerry Matthews. Morning, Ranger. Ranger wants to talk to you, Jerry, about that fellow who claims he had his tire stolen. You mean the one who wrote that letter? Didn't even know where it happened? Well, we figure now he was talking about the roundup, Jerry. Well, I told you last week I don't know anything about it, Sheriff. Clampett still claims he talked to a deputy, a young fellow, who took down a written report. Well, what do you want to talk to me for? You looking to accuse me, Ranger, of concealing something? I'm not looking for anything but information, Jerry. I told you, Sheriff, I never took no such report. Look, Jerry, the Ranger here has been assigned to clear this up. And while he's here, I want you to cooperate with him as much as you can. Forget one of the other boys. I got more than I can do now. I can't send you out on anything else, Jerry. It'll get this cleaned up. Meaning I am under suspicion then. We'd just like to have you stick around till we get to the bottom of this, Jerry. In the meantime, just on the report of some crack pot, you're relieving me of my duties. Is that it? Now, get a hold of yourself, Jerry. Remember, you're still wearing the deputy's badge. No, I'm not. I'm turning it in. Now, Here. wait a minute, Jerry. No reason for you to fly off the handle like this. What more can I tell you except I don't know anything about a tire theft? Suppose next you can ask me if I stole the tire. Well, somebody stole it, Matthews. We'd like to have all the help we can in locating who did. First off, we want to find out who took that report. Well, you can stop investigating me right now, Ranger, because I'm not a deputy anymore. I've quit. Now, take it easy, Jerry. Well, I'm fed up with this. I'd rather be looking for a job than working for someone who doesn't trust me. I'm not taking any more orders from you, Sheriff. I'm through. Turning in that badge, Matthews, doesn't mean you're not still taking orders from both of us. What do you mean, Ranger? I mean the Sheriff and I are ordering you to stick around and be available for questioning until we figure this out. We're not through investigating this case yet. <laughs> After we left Jerry Matthews, we headed for the Roundup Cafe to talk to the owner. We drove out to Highway 92 and got there a little past one. Come on, come on. That's Charlie Reeves. He owns the place. I have to know if he remembers about that deputy. Hi, right, Charlie, you got a minute? Ranger Pearson here wants to talk to you. Sure thing. Wait till I wipe my hand. Well, howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Mr. Reeves, do you remember an out-of-state car belonging to a fellow named Phil Clampett? Huh? Phil Clampett. He claims he had a spare stolen out of the back of his car while he was eating in here. No, sir. Don't remember anyone having a tire stolen when it happened. A couple of weeks ago. You don't recall one of your customers sending for a deputy sheriff at any time? No, sir. I don't, Ranger. You know a deputy named Jerry Matthews? Sure do. You remember if he's been around here lately? No, don't think he has. He used to drop in here for grub all the time before he got married. I haven't seen Jerry more than twice in the last year, I reckon. Don't look as though you're going to be much help to us, Charlie. Sure sorry, Sheriff. Hey, maybe Vince knows something about it. Hey, Vince? Yeah? Take your face out of that blueberry pie for a minute. Come over here, will you? Yeah, sure. That's my brother-in-law, Ranger. Takes care of the filling station next door for me. Might be able to tell you something. Uh, Vince, this Ranger Pearson. Howdy, Ranger. I'd like to know if you can give us any information about a tire theft. Yeah, a fellow named Clampett says it happened here, and he sent for a deputy. You know anything about it? Search me. Never heard anything about a tire theft or a deputy coming here either, ain't you? Being outside, if a tire was stolen, seems like I sure wouldn't know about it. Would you be able to recognize a customer if it came in here just once, Charlie? Well, that's hard to say. Awful lot of people drop by here in 24 hours. 
Bet you remember it if anything like that had happened. Uh, maybe that fellow's pulled an insurance rack and pick up the price of a tire. Say, how about that, Jase? Could be. Maybe we'd better get Clampett over here, Sheriff, and be sure we got the right diner. Right. So long, boy. Sure, sorry. We can't be more help to you, Ranger. Okay, thanks. Yeah, it seems funny nobody remembers anything about it, don't it, Jason? Yeah, it does. And I'm feeling kind of bad now about Jerry Matthews turning in his badge. Tell you what, Sheriff. Let's go out to Jerry's house and take him over to Harper's Ferry with us to talk to Clampett. Darn good idea, Jace. Because if this does turn out to be a racket, Jerry might like to be on hand when we clean it up. In just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. It's all right to build castles in the air, but don't keep them there. To bring that pet dream, a home of your own, down to earth, start saving. There's no easier way than through the payroll savings plan. That way, automatically, you'll build up that money you'll need. And what's more, money invested in United States defense bonds grows over and above the money you sock away in them, especially with the higher interest rate and quicker return that defense bonds now give you. Don't put it off. Authorize your employer to lay aside from your salary every week whatever sum you choose. As the money accumulates, he'll buy your bonds and turn them over for, to you. Or if you're self-employed, your bank will take care of you on the bond-a-month plan. There's no safer investment than United States defense bonds. And when you buy them, you're not only protecting yourself, against possible future emergencies, you're helping to protect your country, too. They're now even better. Invest more in defense bonds. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Travesty. We drove over to Jerry Matthews' house to pick him up and take him with us to Harper's Ferry to get Clampett. It was about 3.15 when we reached Jerry's place. I could hear a baby crying inside the house. Yes? Oh, hello, Sheriff. Hi, I'm Miss Matthews. This is Ranger Pierce. Afternoon, ma'am. Come in, won't you? Jerry home, Miss Matthews? Well, why, no, Sheriff. He, he's gone out on an assignment, he says. Oh, oh, yeah. Say when he'll be home? No, he didn't, Sheriff. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about Skipper's carrying on so, but he ain't been very well today. You're expecting your husband home for supper, aren't you, ma'am? I don't know. I don't rightly know if he'll come home at all, Rage. Anything about his job, Martha? Oh, oh no. He, he sure likes his job, Sheriff. It's, well, it's only we had such an awful fight today when he came home for lunch. Yeah, probably blow over, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just nerves, I guess. You see, we don't either of us get much sleep nowadays... Baby's been awful fussy lately, and we've both been up half the night with him. You got to go through that to raise a family, Martha. Sure. I guess today was mostly my fault. I was nagging at him about money again. Not having any trouble, I hope. Don't everybody nowadays? You see, Jerry's still struggling to pay off the hospital bill for Skipper and the washing machine yeah, and all. It's pretty tough on a policeman's salary. Oh, gee, yeah. I. Well, I guess I'd devil Jerry about paying the rent on time. It's mostly because we're leasing from my folks. Kind of a stubborn point of pride, I reckon. Anything I can do to help, Martha? No, thanks, Sheriff. I 
guess Jerry takes an awful lot from me. Posting about the rent and all. But today when I pitched into him about it, he just blew up at me and said he was getting out and he wasn't coming back. That's probably not half as serious as you think, Mrs. Matthews. Gee, I hope not. Where'd you send him today, Chef? Well, uh, let's see, I... Can't just recall now, Martha. I've been up to my neck lately. Well, ma'am, I guess we'd better be heading along. Well, is there anything special you want with Jerry Ray? No, just tell him we were asking for him. I sure will. I'm, I'm hoping he'll cool off and head home for too long. Well, thank you, Miss Matthews. Sure hope that baby picks up soon. I, he's just kind of got a touch of colic, I guess. I, I reckon he'll be all right. Goodbye, Ranger. It was nice to meet you. Thank you, ma'am. Goodbye, Martha. Take it easy. Don't like Jerry's heading out of town like that, Jace, when you told him to stick around. I don't like it either, Sheriff. Looks like Jerry's getting a little too independent for his own good. Of course, I hate to admit it, but if they're having financial troubles, maybe Jerry did have something to do with that tire theft. Maybe so. wonder what he's up to now. Telling Martha he's on an assignment when he's turned his badge in. Glad you didn't give him away, Sheriff, till we find out a little more about what's going on. I sure hope he isn't mixed up in this clambered case, Jace, with a new baby and all. I hope so, too. I don't think we can tell anything till we go get Clampett. Sheriff and I headed for Harper's Ferry to pick up Clampett. We got to the house about 5.15 and knocked on his door. No one was home, so we walked around the garage at the back of the house. And the car's not in the garage. Probably hasn't come home from work yet. Yeah. What'll we do? Wait for him? Mm, just a minute, Sheriff. What? There's a tire in that garage. A new one. Do you suppose that nervy so-and-so really is pulling an insurance racket after all? Sure looks like it, doesn't it? Oh, there's a car coming in the driveway now, Jason. Uh, there's the same as those on his car. Yeah. Mr. Clampett? Yeah? I want to talk to you a minute. We're here to see about that tire theft. Well, I'm sure glad you fellas are getting moving on this thing. Looks like we should have come to see you in the first place, Mr. Clampett. What do you mean? Maybe you can explain what that new tire, same issue as these on your car here, is doing in your garage. Uh, what are you talking about, Ranger? Mr. Clampett? This is Sheriff Jim Halstead of Corona County. Uh, I think he's waiting for a little explanation, too. I sure am, Clampett. What's that spare doing in there after you raised all this rumpus, accusing one of my deputies of withholding a report? You're loco. I haven't got no spare. I've been trying for weeks to collect from the insurance company so I could buy another one. Well, there it is over there, Clampett. Would you like to take a look? I sure would. Well, I'll be. How the devil did that get in there? Well, this tire wasn't in here when I left this morning. It is your spare, isn't it? It is. At least it looks like it. The one that was stolen? Yeah, but Ranger, I tell you, up till this morning it wasn't here. And I've been away all day. Where's your family? Well, my wife and kids are up visiting her sister in Waco. Somebody must have put it in here today while I was away. I'll bet it was that crooked deputy of yours, Sheriff. Now, look here, Clampett. I think you've caused my county enough trouble already. Ranger, listen. I'm telling you the truth. Somebody did put it in here. Well, look around. You see all the dust on things? This tire here is clean. You can see it hasn't been laying here long. I can see that, all right. The tire is clean. There are a few fresh fingerprints on the casing. If all those prints are yours, Mr. Clampett, you're in trouble. If they belong to somebody else, then maybe we'll believe you. I got my kit and lifted the prints from the tire. Then we fingerprinted Clampett at the constable's office in Harper's Ferry. We sent a copy of his prints along with the tire prints to the lab in Austin for comparison. Then we took Clampett with us in my car and headed for Jerry Matthews' house. Got there about ten after nine. You stay in the car, Clampett. We'll bring him out here. Come on, Sheriff. 
Jase, there are times when I don't like my job too much. Yeah, I know what you mean. I have a feeling Clampett's telling the truth. Would have hidden the tire if he hadn't been. Yeah, Jerry's skipping off like that, telling Martha they had an assignment. Not too good with that tire suddenly turning up. Yeah? Oh, you, Sheriff. Range and I'd like to talk to you, Jerry. Come on outside. No use upsetting your wife. Be with you in a minute, honey. Now what do you want? I'd like to know where you were from noon on today, Jerry. When you told Martha you were going on an assignment. Look, I'm not working for you anymore, Sheriff. I don't have to be badgered with questions like this. Oh, yes, you do. I'm here representing the county, and Ranger Pearson represents the state. All right. What do you want to know, Ranger? Were you in Harper's Ferry today, Matthews? No, I wasn't. Where were you then? Not going to answer that. I don't have to. Listen, Jerry. You know we're just doing a job. Why don't you tell us and be done with it? I'm not keeping anything from you that's any of your business. Where you were this afternoon is our business. Oh, look, you fellas. Haven't I any right to privacy at all? Why don't you want to tell us? Just don't want to, that's all. You know, Jerry, there's an old saying, the truth is a mighty powerful weapon. Yeah. It can't do anything but help you out of this mess. Now, where were you all day today? I was at my father-in-law's over in Junction. Had some things to settle with him. Well, I didn't want to tell Martha about it because I didn't want to upset her with Skipper sick. You still don't believe me, do you? Just one more thing. Yeah? I want a fellow sitting over in the car to take a look at you. What fellow? Phil Clampett. Come on, Jerry. Mr. Clampett, is this the deputy that took the report? Yeah. Mm-mm. No, but ain't. He was a big fellow, about the same size, but... Uh... The one I talked to was kind of grimy looking. Dirty fingernails and all. And couldn't help noticing when he took down the report. This fella ain't the deputy I talked to at all. Thanks. Okay, Jerry. That does it. I'm going to your wife now. Thanks. The sheriff? Yeah? Sure sorry about this morning. Didn't quite realize what that badge meant to me. I got it right here in my pocket, Jerry, if you'd like to have it back. Sure would. Thanks. Well, good night, Ranger. Nice kid. Yeah. I still don't know who did this. Dirty fingernails, huh? Hey, wait a minute. What is it, Jase? Mr. Clampett? Yeah, Ranger? Did this deputy sheriff you talked to have dark, sort of curly hair? Yeah, he did. You mean you're beginning to believe me? Uh-huh. You'd been lying. You tried to pin it on Jerry just now. What were you driving at a minute ago, Jay? Well, when we were talking to those people at the roundup the other day, couldn't help noticing how dirty that brother-in-law's hands were. Vince? Yeah. Looked as though he might have washed them all right, but there was black grease under his nails. Vince could have done it all right. Sure, being right there in the filling station next to the parking lot, he's got a perfect racket stealing tires off out-of-state cars. Most of them would never miss him for a while, either. Not until they were miles out of the state. Mr. Clampett, did the deputy you talked to have kind of almond-shaped eyes? Yeah, he did, Ranger. Come on, Sheriff. Get in. We got an interesting call to make. We headed for the Roundup Cafe on Highway 92. When we got there, the filling station was dark, and the neon sign over the diner was out. But the lights were on inside, and we could see Charlie drying a stack of dishes. Vince was leaning against the counter, a can of beer in his hand. We got out of the car and went up to the door. Ranger, there he is. There's the deputy I talked to. The one with the brew in his hand. I'd like to get a closer look. I sure would. 
It's Ranger Pearson. Open up. Oh, I'm sorry, Ranger. You didn't know it was you. Hey, Charlie. Yeah? Ranger and Sheriff want to see you. Okay. Stick around. We want to talk to you, too. Can I get you some coffee or something? No, thanks. Friend here wants to say hello to you, Charlie. Huh? Ranger, he's the one that told me to call the deputy. What's he talking about? I never saw this guy before. This is Mr. Clampett. Claims he had a tire stolen here two weeks ago. How many times you two gotten away with this neat little racket? In which one of you hooks the tires? How about that, Vince? Would be kind of simple for you, wouldn't it? Being outside... Just to break open the back of a car and take out the spare? Yeah, and then if somebody discovers it missing like Clampett did, you put in a call to the gas station, Charlie. Overcomes Vince, the quick change artist pretending he's the deputy sheriff. Listen, I don't know what this fellow's been feeding you to, but I tell you, Ranger, it's all a pack of lies. Just the same. I'd like to have you both come down to the sheriff's office with us. What for? Want to take your fingerprints. You see, somebody got a little scared and returned Mr. Clampett's tire, figuring this whole thing would blow over that way. But he didn't know he was leaving a nice, fresh set of fingerprints while he was returning it. Okay. We'll be glad to come down with you. Oh, well, no, we won't. Hold it, Vince. Grab Charlie, Sheriff. You stay here, Charlie. Yeah. No, you don't, Vince. Let you pull me. I, you, oh. Drop that cleaver, Ben. I'll kill you. Drop it. You all right, Jason? Yeah. You darn fool, Vince. What do you have to try to duck for? It's all right for you, Charlie. You haven't got any prints on it, Ty. Well, we've got a pair of handcuffs for him just the same. Come on, get up, Vince. Now, let me tell you something. A badge is a mark of trust. It doesn't belong on rats like you. Get moving. just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. There's wonderful dramatic listening in store for you later today when NBC presents Best Plays. Today, Best Plays brings you On Borrowed Time by Paul Osborne. This is the touching drama of life and death in a New England town featuring the heroic attempt of an elderly man to keep death from overtaking him until his grandson comes of age. Featured will be Parker Fenley and Mildred Natwick. For most enjoyable radio entertainment, be sure to hear Best Plays later today on the NBC Radio Network. And listen to for Meredith Wilson's Music Room, wherein you'll visit with Meredith and a noted musical personality. And today only, on most NBC stations, listen to the Chamber Music Society of Lower Basin Street. Under the direction of Henry Hot Lips Levine, you'll hear the finest in drama and music. Keep tuned to this station of the NBC Radio Network. Now, back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. The lab report positively identified Vince Wright's prints on the stolen tire. Faced with this evidence, he and Charlie Reeves made full statements concerning their tire theft racket and impersonation of a peace officer. They were arraigned before the district court on charges of larceny and fraud and were each given prescribed terms according to law in the state penitentiary at Huntsville. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers.
Joel McRae will soon be seen in San Francisco's story, a Warner Brothers release. In the cast, you heard Byron Kane, Ken Christie, Paul Fries, Michael Ann Barrett, Jess Kirkpatrick, and Tony Barrett. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Betty Mears, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Tales of the Texas Rangers is heard each week overseas through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Starting Wednesday, enjoy the best of Groucho on NBC. Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Another authentic reenactment of a case transcribed from the files of the Texas Rangers. and places in the following story are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. NBC will bring you five special feature programs prior to the Republican convention. These special shows will consist of first convention preview on June 28th. This program will inaugurate NBC's advanced coverage. George Hicks, well-known radio news commentator and war correspondent, will be your host and bring you interviews with Republican delegates from various sections of the country. Then on Tuesday, July 1st, we bring you Convention City, a complete report on the preparations being made in Chicago to receive the thousands of people who will descend on the city in July for the conventions. Jim Hurlbut will serve as narrator and will offer you interviews with the people whose job it will be to house, entertain, and feed the convention delegates. And on Thursday, July 3rd, hear a headquarters report featuring NBC newsmen W.W. Chaplin, Merrill Muller, Richard Harkness, and Bob Letts. Consult your local newspaper for broadcast time and join us for complete convention coverage on NBC. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, from the files of the Texas Rangers, the case called Knockout. It is 10 o'clock on a Saturday night in July 1946. Outside the Rand Hotel in Jackson, Texas, 50 miles from Houston, the sheriff stands talking to some cattle ranchers who are in town for a convention. He is about to leave the group and walk toward his car when the front door of the hotel bursts open. Yeah, yeah, over here. Yeah, I'm in the hotel. Hurry. Oh, excuse me, Bill. Uh, see you later. Yeah. What's the matter? Upstairs, on the second floor. Some kind of trouble. Well, come on. Show me where it is. Mrs. Beal, she just called. Sounded scared to death. Said there was an awful fight going on in the next room. Uh, right up these stairs. Yeah. Hey, you haven't been up there yet? No, no. I, I remember seeing you in the lobby a few minutes ago. Hope you'd still be around. You're sure she said there was a fight? Oh, yeah. That's what you said. Well, we'll find out what it's all about. Oh, oh, oh. Excuse me, man. It's okay. She sure come around that corner fast. 
Which way do we go? Oh, right down here. Miss Beale's room is in the middle of the hall. Don't seem to be any noise up here now. Who's there? It's a desk clerk, ma'am. Oh, oh, you brought the sheriff. Well, I'm so glad. I understand you think you heard some fighting going on up here. Somebody's been killed. I know somebody's been killed. Uh, which room was it, ma'am? That one right there. Want me to come with you, Sheriff? No, you better stay here with Miss Beale, just in case there is some trouble. Who is it? It's the sheriff. Open up. I'm busy. Can you come back in a little while? Open up. I want to talk to you now. Okay, okay. Just a minute. Come on, come on. Hurry up in there. Okay, I'm coming. What's all the trouble, Sheriff? I heard there was a fight going on in this room. Fight? There must be some mistake. I'd like to come in and take a look around. Well, what for, Sheriff? There's nothing wrong here. You... Do you mind standing aside? Well, sure, sure. That's the way you feel about it. Come on in. See, there's nothing wrong in here. Who's that in the bathroom? My father. He's taking a bath. <laughs> uh, what's that white powder on the floor next to the table there? Where? Oh, oh, that was uh, some of my father's medicine. He spilled it a while ago. <laughs> I was just getting ready to clean it up when you knocked. Well, everything looks all right, I guess. I... You mind moving aside a second? Sat and watch, Sheriff. You... Come on, mister, move. Well, sure. I just didn't know what you meant. How'd that chair leg get broken? Chair... Oh, oh, I tripped over it. I almost broke my neck when I fell. Matter of fact, that's probably what made people think there was a fight in here. I'm a big man, and when I fall, I really go down hard. I think I'd like to have a word with your father. Well, like I told you, he's taking a bath. Why don't you come back later? I'll talk to him now. Mister? Oh, mister? The old man's a little hard of hearing with a water runner. Yeah, well, he'll hear this. Mister! I want to talk to you, mister. I reckon I'll just have to go in. No, you don't. Why, you... Give me back that gun. Yeah, I'll give it back. recovered quickly. On the bathroom floor, he found the body of an elderly man. The dead man was identified by the clerk as George Wilton, a rancher. Wilton had been the only guest registered in that room. After requesting the clerk to phone for the Texas Rangers, the sheriff left to see if he could pick up the trail of the assailant. Twenty minutes later, Rangers Jace Pearson and Clay Morgan climbed the stairs to the second floor of the hotel. Looks like the room down here to the right, Chase. Uh-huh. So standing in front of the door must be the desk clerk. Yeah, sure, garden for us. He's not letting that crowd get anywhere near. All right, folks, all right, folks. Excuse please us here, please. Thank you. Where's the body? Uh, it's in the bathroom, Ranger. Anything been touched? Oh, no, sir. No. Sheriff left special orders not to disturb anything until you got here. I, I didn't even turn the water off. The water? Yes, sir. Running in the bathtub. I had to pull the plug out, though, so it wouldn't run over on the floor. Did you get a look at the man who ran away? I sure wish I had. I only saw his back. Sheriff got a good look at him, though. Too good a look was the way he put it. I never saw a man as mad as the sheriff was when he come to. Uh-huh. We'll take a look inside now. We may want to ask you a few more questions later. Yes, sir. I expect you want to talk to Mrs. Beale, too. Uh, she's the lady who first heard the fighting. Is she around? In a room right next door. I'll get it if you want. Fine. We'll be out in a few minutes. All right. 
them doors a little, Joe. Oh, yeah. I don't expect you get any prints off the doorknob now, but you better kick it open with your foot anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Mm-hmm. Poor old fellow. He sure took some knock on the head. Way he's lying, I got an idea he was dragged in here from the other room. Take a look through his pockets, Clay. I'll see if there's some way to shut this water off. Yeah. Might be a cutoff valve back at the tub. Yeah, there is. Find anything? No, pockets are clean. Looks like it might have been robbery. We'll get a lab crew up here to go over the place for prints. I don't think they'll find too much, Jase. How do you mean? This drinking glass with the towel stuffed in it, full of dust. You notice how everything's wiped clean in here? Like somebody tried to get rid of any possible prints. He tried, all right. These other glasses, for instance, you can see they've been used recently, but there's not a print on them. As far as I can figure, there's only one place in here our friend forgot. Where's that? Over here. Take a look at that water faucet in the tub. Yeah. Good, clear print. Say, if you're right about the old man being dragged in here after he was dead, there's a good chance this print belongs to the guy who did it. Let's see if there's anything outside in the room. Killer must have been pretty big to be able to slug the sheriff easy as he did. Don't reckon the old fella had much of a chance either. It's like he put up a fight, though. Broken chair leg and... Hey, wait a minute. You looking at that white powder on the floor? Yeah. Could be one other thing the killer didn't have time to clean up. More like crystals in powder. Any idea what it is, Jason? Mm, not yet, but it shouldn't take the lab long to find out. In the meantime, we better have a talk with the woman who heard the fighting in here. Uh-huh. Lucky the sheriff got a look at the killer. At least he'll be able to make an identification if that print in the bathroom doesn't give us a lead. Could be our man won't even have a record. If he doesn't, we won't get much from the print or the mug file. Oh, here they are, Mrs. Beale. I'm Mrs. Beale, Ranger. The desk clerk said you wanted to talk to me. Yes, ma'am. We're interested in anything you can remember about this. Uh, yes. Well, I was lying in bed trying to sleep. I knew I wouldn't sleep because my asthma was bothering me, but I thought I'd try anyhow. What time was this, ma'am? Time? Oh, well, I'm not exactly sure, but it couldn't have been more than 30 minutes after I took my brown pills, so I'd say it was about 930. Uh, it was just a couple of minutes to 10 when you called me, Mrs. Bill. I know that, young man. What I wanted to tell the ranger started long before that. Well, let's see, where was I? You were lying in bed, ma'am. Oh, yes. Well, I heard the door open in the next room. I didn't want to listen, but you know how thin these walls are, and when those people come into the room, they made so much noise. How many were there? Well, there was an old man... I understand he was the one who died. And there was a younger man. He had a real deep voice. But the one I heard clearest was the girl. Girl? That's right. She had the most piercing voice I ever heard. And the way she was laughing, I could tell she had no breathing. Could you hear what they were saying? Well, I, I, I thought that's your phone, Mrs. B. Oh, dear. Just when I was... Well, I'll in. take it for you. Oh, man. that would be nice of you, young man. You tell whoever it is that I'm very busy. Oh. Ma'am, uh, ma'am, you were saying you could hear the people in the next room were talking? Uh, yes. Yes, I could. They'd all been drinking. And then they started to tell the most awful story. Simply awful. I want to put my hands over my ears. Yes, ma'am. Well, the old man was just fascinated by this hussy. Well, I'm sorry, Rangers, but that's the only word I know to describe her. He laughed at everything she said. And the things she said. Uh-huh. Well, all of a sudden, the old man stopped laughing and got real angry. He started shouting at the girl told her she'd put something in his drink. Then before I knew it, the most awful fight started. Just awful. And the next thing I knew, someone banged against the wall and I was almost thrown out of bed. Did you hear anything else? Yes. After that, they were whispering in there. 
but it was so low, I, I just couldn't hear what they were saying. Uh, that was so the I headquarters, tried... Ranger. They want you to get in touch with a sheriff by radio as soon as you can. Thanks. And thank you, Mrs. Beale. Oh, but I have some more to tell you about when the sheriff was up there. Wouldn't oh, we won't have was... to trouble you about that, ma'am. The sheriff will file it in his report. Oh. Come on, Clay. Yeah. Funny the way people enjoy getting mixed up in something like this. Scared to death and still get a kick out of it. Yeah. She did help us, though. At least we can be pretty sure now about our killer's racket. Confidence game? Uh-huh. The old man was probably lonely and got a little careless about showing how much money he had in his pocket. Yeah, sure sounds like the old story. I've got a hunch those crystals we found on the floor will turn out to be knockout drops. Uh-huh. Girl must have skipped before the sheriff got there. Yeah, she could have gone out to set up their getaway. Well, I sure hope either that print in the bathroom pays off or the sheriff can make some kind of identification. Yeah. And if we don't get any lead tonight, we'll have the sheriff drive over to Austin with us in the morning and go through the mug files. Hey, Jason, I wonder what the sheriff wants us to call him for. We'll find out right now. Get that code sheet out of the glove compartment and see what his call number is, will you? Sure, Jay. Let's see. Oh, here it is, 692. Thanks. Unit 10 to Unit 692. Unit 10 to 692. Unit 692 to Unit 10. This unit requests assistance in apprehending fugitive killer believed to be hiding here in field one half mile south of Jackson. Unable to make search until more help arrives. 10-4, Unit 10 will join 692 immediately. Unit 10, clear. 692, clear. That must be the sheriff up ahead, Chase. They're swinging a spotlight across that cornfield. Yeah, looks like a barbed wire fence at the back. If our man's in there, he'll have a tough time getting out that way. Doubt if he'd get out either end without the sheriff seeing him. I've been trying to cover the field with my spotlight here, in case he pops up. You sure it was him you saw? Oh, couldn't be any mistake about it. I'd been out cruising around looking for him. I was just heading back to town when I saw this fellow walking toward me up the road. Recognized him as soon as I put the light on, and then he ran into the field. Hey, mind getting the flashlights, Clay? We'll go in after him. Sure, Judge. Keep that spot running across the back fence, Sheriff. Clay and I'll try and flush him out. Okay. But I'd sure like to go in after this one myself. I got a personal score to settle with him. How's that bump on your head? Oh, I'll be all right. I could kick myself where I let him get my gun and slug me. Yeah, don't worry about it. Let's just hope we can pick him up now. Here's your flash, Jason. Thanks. Any idea where he went in, Sheriff? Well, near as I can figure, it's about 30 feet up the road. And keep as far away from your spotlight as you can. If he thinks he's being cornered, he might take a shot at you. Yeah, that'd be something, wouldn't it? With my own gun. Lucky I had my rifle in the car. If he makes a break across that fence, I'm going to make Swiss cheese out of him. Let's go, Clay. You better be careful with our lights, too. Yeah. Well, we know this baby. He's desperate enough to try anything. Mm, this could be where he went in. Mm-hmm. Cornstalks have been over all right. Watch yourself. You don't know how far in he might be. Yeah. Seems like he's starting there to the right. Mm-hmm. Throw that motel over there. Trail looks like it stops just ahead. No, it doesn't stop, Jace. He must have started crawling along the furrows here. Yeah, it could have been when the sheriff first threw his spot on the field. He shouldn't be too far away. Uh, he's making a beeline for that motel. Hold a second. You hear anything? No. Here, let me lift my light. Jace, there he goes. Come on. Hold it, Joe. He's yelling at somebody. See if we can stop him. He's heading right for those motel cabins. Hold your fire, Clay. We're gaining on him. Yeah, but he's going around the corner of that cabin. You reckon we better split up? Uh-huh. You take the left and I'll... Hey, there's a car taking off, Jace. No lights. Must be him. Too far away, mist. Let's get back to our car and see if we can catch him. Hello? 
the time we reached our car, he was out of sight. We took off after him, leaving the sheriff to make inquiries at the motel office. We radioed for blockades to be set up throughout the area. For the rest of the night, we made an extensive search without finding a trace of our man. At dawn, we reached a highway patrol roadblock. We turned around and headed back toward Jackson, covering all side roads along the way. I don't know, Jace. It's a sin she couldn't have gotten through that roadblock. No, but he might have made it through before the block was set up. I've been thinking. That was a pretty fast getaway he made last night. Too fast for him to have stolen a car from the motel. It was probably his own car. Remember, he was yelling to somebody while he was running across the field. Hmm? Could have been the girl he works with. Maybe the motel is where they'd been staying. Maybe. Well, if we don't spot him in another half hour, I reckon we'd better go pick up the sheriff. See if he can make an identification from the mug files. Yeah, I wonder if he found out anything at that motel office. KTXA to Unit 10. Unit 10 to KTXA. Go ahead, KTXA. Fingerprint and bathroom of Hotel Rand, Jackson, has been identified as belonging to Gus Howard. Repeat, Gus Howard. Two prison terms for fraud and felonious assault. Released from Huntsville, April 1946. 10-4, no other traffic. Unit 10, clear. No other traffic. KTXA. Howard, huh? Hey, Jace, didn't you once have something to do with the guy by that name? I sent Gus up on his last trip. Any idea where he might be hanging out now? No, but I'm pretty sure where we can get a lead on Millie Vinson. Well, who's she? Gus's partner. And except when they're in jail, they're never very far away from each other. Hang on, Clay. We're heading for Houston. just a moment, we will continue with Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Only a madman or a fool would intentionally set fire to one of our forests or woodlands. Yet 90% of our forest fires are started by people. Most of these man-caused fires are due to plain carelessness, a campfire left smoldering, a lighted match thrown from a car window, a cigarette not extinguished. In less troubled times, the waste due to forest fires would be tragic. In these dangerous times, it can be disastrous. Forest fires destroy natural resources we need to keep our country strong. They impede the production and transportation of critical defense supplies, interfere with military training, and may destroy military installations. Join in the fight against carelessness. Crush out cigarettes, cigar, and pipe ashes. Break matches in two after using. Find out the law before using a fire. One moment of carelessness can destroy national beauty and wealth that can never be replaced. Forest fires are a shameful waste because they can be prevented. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. And now, back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. We continue now with Tales of the Texas Rangers and our authentic story, Knockout. It was a little before 10 that morning when we arrived in Houston. We parked the car a few doors away from the house where Millie Vincent's mother lived and walked toward it. It was a corner house in a poor neighborhood. Not the fanciest place in the world, is it, Jason? Millie's mother never went in for trimming. Huh? Hey, Jace through the side window. The girl sitting at the table. Yeah, we're lucky. It's Millie herself. What the devil is she doing with her foot up on the table? I don't know. Let's get around to the front. Gus is around somewhere? It's hard to say. Matter of fact, I'm a little surprised to see Millie. Maybe she wasn't in on that job last night. We know that soon enough. Hey, Morgan, Ma, what are you knocking for? Take the seat. Oh, 
to talk to you, Millie. I've done enough talking to you. Where's Gus? Get out of my light. Can't see what I'm doing. Where's Gus, Millie? Don't you ever get tired. How do I know where Gus is? I haven't seen him for three months. Well, we look around anyhow. Who says you can? This? I'd have known you'd have a warrant. Okay, go ahead. Look. I reckon you'd better walk around with us. Don't you see I'm doing my toenails? They'll wait. Come on. Okay. Is this the bathroom? It ain't the dining room. There's not in there. How about that room? Ma's room. Door's open. You can see there's nobody in it. What about this one over here? Is this your room, Millie? Yeah, and you ain't going in. Excuse me, miss. I said you ain't going in. Now, look. You, you stay get... away from that door. Come on, get out of the... Keep away. See why you didn't want us in here. What are you doing with all those clothes on the bed, Millie? You getting ready to go somewhere? I'm airing my dresses. You always keep a couple of suitcases handy when you air dresses? Okay, so maybe I'm going away. Where? It's my business. Hey, anybody got a cigarette? Yeah. Match? Here you go. Where were you last night, Millie? Right here. You sure you weren't over in Jackson with Gus? I told you I haven't seen Gus for three months. We think you and he might have been up to your old knockout tricks, only this time your friend Gus killed a man. I was right here all last night. Where's your mother? What do you want with her? Was she home last night, too? Sure. Then we'll see if her story's the same as yours. She's out. Won't be home for five or six hours. Sounds like you expected her when we walked in. We'll just stick around till she gets there. I told you, she won't be back. Sounds like somebody coming now. I'll get the door. Just let us do the talking, Molly. Now get. Oh, Millie, that's the last time going for groceries for you. Next time you. Oh, you back her again? We want to ask you a few questions, Mrs. Vincent. Tell him I was here last night. Tell him, Ma. I said we'd do the talking. Mrs. Vincent, where was Millie last night? Right here. Were you with her? Why, sure, of course I was. Think I go running around nights? How about yesterday afternoon? I was here. So was Millie. I suppose Gus was here, too. Not sure you he was here, too. Ah, what's the matter? You dumb... Gus wasn't here. Well, how am I supposed to know? You want to tell me who's supposed to be here and who ain't. You stupid... All right, Millie. Get your shoes on. You're going with me. Clay stayed at the house in case Gus showed up. I took Millie back with me to Jackson. It was just past noon when we walked down the corridor to the sheriff's office. Come on, Millie, pick up your feet. You in such a big hurry. Go on in. Sheriff? That you, Jace? Yeah. I think I got one of the pigeons from last night. I'll be right in. And you can sit down if you want. Thanks. You could make it easier for everybody if you'd tell us where Gus is. Tell you? I got nothing to say to you. Howdy, Jace. Well, who's this? Millie Vinson. She used to work with Gus Howard. We think she worked with him last night. That's a lousy lie. I've seen her someplace before, Jason. You're crazy. you never seen me. She spent a couple of terms up at the woman's prison. You wasn't there, sir. I just can't do where he was. Millie doesn't seem to want to tell us where her partner is. How do I know where he is? He's never worked without you before. Well, he does now. That's not likely. You'd never let Gus work with another woman. And I don't think you did last night. I was home last night. I can prove it. You mean by your mother? And after that slip she made. Ma gets mixed up every now and then. She'll be all right in court. 
you ever get me to court. You'll be there. Because last night you and Gus went with an old man to his hotel room. When he caught you slipping knockout drops into his drink, there was a big fight. And Gus killed him. That's a lot of... Hey, wait a minute. Now I know where I've seen you. It was in the hotel last night. I bumped into you when I was coming up the stairs. You're crazy. You were coming down from the second floor, probably from the room where Gus had just killed the old man. How are you going to prove that? There was a hotel clerk with me. He'll remember you, too. Suppose I was at the hotel. That don't mean I was in on any killing. It's no use, Millie. We know you and Gus always work together, and we know Gus was in that hotel room. How do you know? From his fingerprints. That ain't true. Gus what? You were going to say Gus wiped off all the fingerprints. He did, Millie. All but one. He found it on the water faucet in the bathroom. You mean you picked me up because Gus left his prints in that room? Uh-huh. That bonehead. If he had some sense, he'd never have got me. That's what you said last time you got caught. Doesn't work that way, Millie. Last time was his fault, too. He hadn't made me stop in that cafe for a beer. You'd never have found it. And he calls me stupid. Where's Gus Every now? time I get caught, it's on account of him. He's always playing it's a smart. He's got the brains, he says. I got the look. Him and his brains. Where is he? Now he wants me to sit still and take the rap for him. Well, I ain't gonna do it. If I get caught, he goes up along with me. Is he in Houston? No. You wanna find that bum Gus, you gotta get to Dallas. Where? Airport. He drove the car up this morning. I was going to take a plane up and meet him. When? At 9, tomorrow morning. We was going to take the 10 o'clock plane for L.A. Oh, that knucklehead. All right, Sheriff. Lock Millie up, and we'll go get Gus. I can hardly wait to see the look on his face when he gets brought in here. I can hardly wait. I called headquarters and requested the Ranger plane to pick us up in Jackson. We flew to Dallas and spent the night checking hotels and restaurants in the hope of picking Gus up. We didn't find him. We decided he had either spent the night with friends or in his car. A little after nine the next morning, we walked through the air terminal. I sure hope that girl wasn't lying to us, Jason. I reckon she was a little too sore at Gus to lie. You know, all the same, I'd hate to think of him slipping through our fingers. I don't see him inside here. She could be out at the gate. Over there at the gate, too. Uh-huh. He sure looks impatient, pacing back and forth. We'll work over to him as quietly as we can if he... Yeah, he oh. sees us, Jase. He's starting to run. Hold it, Gus. Hold it. Around the building. Come on. Easy past this corner. Well, I don't see him anywhere, Jase. There he goes. Out toward the front of the terminal. He's heading for that taxi. I think we can get him. Grab him. Get out of there, Gus. No good cops. I'll... Give me that gun. Give it to me. I'll kill it. Drop it. Uh, Drop it. Uh, thanks for getting it back, Jace. Uh, I never should let him get it in the first place. Who told you I was going to be here, Millie? Put out your hands, Gus. That dizzy dame. Every time I get caught, it's on account of her. Funny. She thinks the same thing about you. Hadn't been for being so clumsy with those knockout drops, I wouldn't have been caught. Never should have taken that dizzy dame for a partner in the first place. Don't worry about it, Gus. I've got an idea the judge is going to dissolve that partnership of yours anyhow. For good. In just a moment, we will tell you the results of the case you have just heard. An important part of our job here at NBC is to inform and bring news to our millions of radio listeners. We do this by offering you news and commentary programs throughout every broadcast day. And now, we invite you to listen more than ever to the special programs we are preparing to send your way over NBC. 
we invite you to follow the campaign of the next president on NBC. Here, for example, are some of the programs you will soon be hearing. On Saturday, June 28th, NBC will present a convention preview. George Hicks will serve as your narrator on this program, and he will interview Republican delegates from various sections of the country. Then on Tuesday, July 1st, we present Convention City, direct from Chicago, with Jim Hurlbert interviewing all the many people responsible for feeding and lodging the thousands of delegates to the conventions who will converge on Chicago in July. Consult your local newspaper for broadcast time, and join us here on NBC for a complete report on the conventions. And now back to Tales of the Texas Rangers. And now, here are the results of the case you have just heard. Millie Vinson and Gus Howard were tried and convicted for the murder of George Wilton. Millie Vinson received a 45-year sentence in a women's prison at Gory. Gus Howard was sentenced to Huntsville Penitentiary for the rest of his life. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. McRae is currently seen starring in San Francisco Story, a Warner Brothers release. The cast included Tony Barrett, Harley Bear, Virginia Gregg, Gerald Moore, Herb Ellis, and Jeanette Nolan. Technical advisor was Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez of the Texas Rangers. This story was transcribed and adapted by Charles E. Israel, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Thursdays, enjoy the best of Groucho on NBC. Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.